Blog Talk Radio. Licensed Relationship and Sex Counselor, Greg Dazinski, also known as Master G, the art of relationships will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy in your romantic relationships. He will also welcome live calls from listeners and help him with these very challenges. Heard of the old repetitive and tiresome tit-for-tat arguments? Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a quick, matter-of-fact format, plus applies compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and climax to a happier you. Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan, but to some of us, he is simply known as Master G. Hey, how how's everyone doing this evening? Hopefully after a few headaches today, last couple of days getting on air, uh, hopefully everything will be straight and all around and a uh, virgin session is uh, hopefully going to happen. Uh, hopefully everyone's having a good weekend so far, a lot smoother than I am. Hopefully I'm going to answer your questions about sex, relationships, hopefully building intimacy, whatever uh, topics you have going on. I want to send out a special uh, thank you to Tatiana or Tat from uh, fellow listeners, PPRN, uh, for the intro, and also uh, from Brenda, which you'll hear uh, an exit uh, at the end of the show. Hopefully everyone's doing good. Please uh, call in with your questions and hit the open chat line as well on blogtalkradio.com slash Greg Dzinski, D-U-D-Z-I-N. SKI. For those of you uh, tuning in that have not heard about me, I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan. I specialize in relationships and sexual issues, and I could tell you stories uh, that probably make you laugh, cringe, all of the above. So looking forward to answering your questions, and first question is what's going to help probably build intimacy uh, first and foremost as far what's it take. Most people need to feel safe and secure emotionally. They also need to feel valued and important. And they also need to feel connected both emotionally and physically. So what happens when one of those issues are missing? The relationship sort of starts going down the toilet. Resentment sets in. Distance sets in. Of course, one or both partners feels left out, not important, not desired. You name it, all of the above. What goes on triggers that from there. You talk about mostly affairs, divorce, or possibly both. So how can we eliminate those? Please, I welcome your uh, calls. Any topics, any concerns you got going on? Like I said, a big uh, special uh, shout-out to uh, PPRN, radio crew, Probably got me going more than I wanted to on their show as Master G, uh, talking about mostly sexual issues, but I want to take this more as a professional maneuver and helping people out with their issues. So please uh, send me your text, give me your calls, and we'll go from there. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you guys some more.
Hi, it's Greg back here. We're going to hit on uh, intimacy issues, uh, number one. So send me your questions. Give me a call. Hit me up. How many people out there are uh, cohabitating, living together versus marriage? Uh, we can hit that. And what's the reason not getting married? Most uh, common issues, of course, I think is financial and everyone's, uh, let's face it, scared shitless maybe to get married. Uh, the way I handle clients, it doesn't matter if you're living together married, whatever. Clients I work with, uh, it's probably a 50-50 split down the married as far as cohabitating couples and those living together, which makes uh, couples want to live together versus uh, get married. Uh, the issue of kids, of course, is uh, number one. I think uh, a lot of couples are afraid to get married because uh, the desire, sexual issues, and intimacy goes down the toilet. Does that have to happen? No. On my Facebook, I noted uh, societal's pressure and the old taboo that uh, sex and marriage, intimacy, closeness uh, dwindles over time. I think that uh, can be true, absolutely, but I also think it's a bunch of bullshit, and I think it has to happen uh, with both partners being uh, intimate, reaching, being vulnerable with each other to stop that from happening. How do you do that? You be vulnerable. Most people are afraid to be vulnerable regarding being hurt, right? Being crushed on, being stopped on. Can you still be vulnerable without, let's face it, without being hurt or afraid of being hurt and you just go after it? No matter if it ticks your partner off, hurts their feeling, pisses them off, can you still be open and honest with them? One aspect I uh, work with to help build intimacy is no taboo topics whatsoever. That means you can be honest, open. It could be sexual wants, needs, not get feeling love, not feeling desired. And part of that vulnerability is you need to be honest with your feelings. You're hurt, not feeling desired, not feeling maybe attracted, attached, important, taking each other for granted, not feeling appreciated. These are all issues I deal with on a weekly basis and it seems like it goes from couple to couple. These are the major issues, no matter what they come in with, with communication issues, which is lack of intimacy, a combination of all those aspects. So what happens? How do you build that? How do you create that uh, vulnerability, make it safe for each other? Emotional safety is huge. You don't belittle each other. You don't criticize each other. You try to understand what feelings are going on, the hurt, lack of desire that's going on in between one partner or another. What goes down is, can you talk about it? Can you get at the real root, the real issues of the problem without looking at being pissed off, anger, getting defensive? What happens when you get defensive? You both butt heads. You distance. Go your separate ways. And then distance, resentment still comes in. You might make up, have great makeup sex, but then that issue keeps coming back. So if someone is pissed off, say, and your partner's pissed off, angry, comes at you, starts attacking you, the number one thing you can do, again, is get at the root of the issue. Typically, if it's anger, the root of the issue is that person's not feeling loved, not feeling appreciated, feeling hurt, maybe not desired. So instead of feeling those vulnerabilities, what starts happening? You start 
coming out with anger because you don't want to feel those vulnerabilities. They make you feel weak. They're at the root of your heart, so you want to cover those up with anger. So if your other partner knows that, reacts with the anger and stands their ground and tries to hit at the very bottom of the issue, the hurt, ask, what's going on? Instead of one partner yelling, screaming at the other one, the other one gets defensive and says, F you back, what does that do? That's a common tit-for-tat battle going back and forth, right? So what starts happening, you need to cut right at the root of the issue, go after the heart, the feelings involved underneath at the foundation of the issues. Like I said, being hurt usually is the number one thing. So if you understand your partner and one goes after, starts calling you names, hit for it, hey, hon, what's going on? Talk to me. If someone's pissed off, can you say, instead of getting defensive, can you sit there and say, hey, you know what? What did I do to piss you off? What can I do to take care of the issue? Instead of the tit for tat, the right or wrong. So many couples come in here, come into my office with the right or wrong attitude, then what goes on? The right or wrong, tit for tat, comes into a battle, right? Creates further distance. So to end the tit for tat, you have to build the intimacy by understanding each other, reading each other, map, mind mapping. Is how I call it, too. You try to read each other's emotions. How do you do that? You ask. You can be wrong, right? That's not an issue. You go ahead. You be wrong, but you learn from each other. Those are going to be some major issues that are going to create intimacy right from the get-go. So if you're able to look at and learn from each other, that's going to be huge. Instead of being right or wrong, what happens? You have two people back and forth, tit for tat, when they don't understand where the other one's coming from because they're so worried about getting their own issue heard. They're trying to force their partner to understand them. And when you have two people doing that at the same time, the shit hits the fan. I want to stop that and help you guys out. So please, uh, go ahead. Give me a call. Give me a shout. Call in is... Nine two nine four seven seven three one zero five. Please give me a call. Nine two nine four seven seven three one zero five. You can also hit me up on uh, chat at blogtalkradio.com hyphen or I'm sorry slash Greg Dzinski G R E G D U D Z I N S K I. And some of your questions, we'll go uh, kick it off from there. One other aspect uh, before taking a few callers is talking about a sheet I give out. It's called a fondness, true or false. Touches in on how many issues uh, do you think are true in the marriage or relationship and how many are false. And the asset is to learn from each other. Again, you're not getting at the tip for tat. They have issues ranging from, you know, I often find some way to tell my partner I love you. Is that mostly true or is that mostly false? Again, we're trying to create vulnerability. And it's hard to do to tell your partner you love each other or even touch your partner, <clears throat> excuse me, when you don't feel 
love back. You don't feel desired. So it's hard to reach out either verbally or physically. Or what happens, you start going after your partner, maybe physically. You want to be touched so bad. You come across as a nag, needy, and your other partner, your partner's running away from you. That hurts. It sucks. So what happens then? You try to nag more. You try to go back more, and it's like a dog chasing its tail. We need to get that person to understand. You know what? Instead of nagging, they're trying to reach out and trying to understand, again, the vulnerability that they don't feel loved. They don't feel desired. So the person runs away, don't want to get nagged, and that circle ensues. So we need that partner to quit running away for a bit, stand his or her ground to be able to listen and understand. They're just trying to be heard, trying to be maybe paid attention to instead of nagging. Again, the vulnerability aspects and standing your ground on your own two feet. It's all perception as well. So if you're dealing with perceptions and you're afraid that your partner doesn't tell you I love you, maybe they're afraid. Maybe they don't hold you. So what starts happening when that you start assuming, right? They don't love you. They don't desire you. <laughs> maybe you got body odor. Maybe you stink. Maybe it's hygiene. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're afraid. They're assuming you don't love them. You don't want them. You don't desire them. You don't want to kiss them. You don't want to have sex with them. All this stuff creates insecurity. So it makes it harder for each individual to go out and say, you know what? I love you when you're feeling that way. I love you. I want to touch you. I want to kiss you. They might be thinking, I don't want to do that. They might think I got bad breath. And then what happens? You run away. How many of you often touch or kiss your partner affectionately? How many of you crave that? Do you crave that a lot? So much that you're selling yourself out to get it? You start begging, pleading? Or does it come out as nagging, yelling, bitching? What starts happening? You need to check yourself and you need to look at what the hell is going on. Because you don't want to beg. You don't want to plead. You can be vulnerable, of course, which I want couples to be. Being vulnerable, you still be strong. You still hand your, hold your ground. Sorry about that. Hold your ground. Be strong. Being vulnerable doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're real. You're human. And you're okay. You don't like feeling that way. You don't feel like feeling hurt. You don't like feeling not desired. But you're okay with it. So you don't want to nag. You don't want to plead. Or beg. That's pathetic. How many people remember back in maybe high school, maybe even in your adult uh, bar times trying to hook up with somebody or a booty call, and you start begging somebody, oh, please, please go out with me. That's sort of pathetic, right? How many people are turned on by that? Very little. So what starts happening, that's a turnoff, right? When you do it in a relationship, actually it's a turnoff as well. You think you're reaching out to the other one, and it might be pushing that other one away. So we'll go from there. Um, I am going to take a call right now, and I have a feeling who it might be. Hello there. Still on hold? Hello. Oh, I think we lost him. Okay. Oh, 
like I said, it might have been technical difficulties. I'm trying to uh, work this out, so I'm a rookie. Like I said, it's a virgin episode, so I want everybody to help me uh, break this in a little bit, and uh, we'll go from there. So please, give me a call, 929-477-3105. Give me a shout. Let me help you out with your issues and challenges, hopefully make your life a lot easier. And uh going to take a little break. Take a drink, uh, yeah, water, <laughs> and uh, so I get my uh, puberty voice back in shape and uh, play an ad for you. Get that special someone uh, hand-painted, hand-designed canvas shoes, Shoes by Shea. Find her on Facebook, again, Facebook, Shoes by Shea. If you're looking to listen to some cool, kick-ass bands along with some cut-up Comedy, hilarious, smart ass host. Listen to pprnlive.com. Again, pprnlive.com, or you can find them on spreaker.com as well. They got shows every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time.
Hey everybody, I'm back. Hopefully my voice uh, holds out. Uh, it's going to sound like I'm going through puberty, like I said, uh, right before I left. <laughs> it's been a long couple of days. Uh, getting back to the relationship intimacy aspect. Um, I mentioned about how often do you kiss or touch your partner affectionately. How often do you do that? When does that go to the wayside when you stop maybe a little slap or a little pat on the booty, a little hand to the lower back. Just let them know you're there. You're paying attention to them. How often do you do that? How often do they do that to you? And how often do you crave that? Do you crave that a lot? And what are you going to do about it to get it? Are you going back, like I said initially, to nagging? Begging for it? Or do you just sort of go around pouting and bitching and moaning? And how often does your partner take that as you're trying to sort of push them away even further, right? So the trick is, how can you pull each other closer to build that intimacy, to fight through that tit for tat, those misperceptions that you hate each other? I'm laughing, but it's not that funny, is it, to feel that way? When your needs are not being met, maybe you have no right to understand what those needs are. Do you feel deserving of having your needs met? To feel loved. To feel safe and secure emotionally. Do you think you deserve to feel valued? Do you feel deserving and important enough to feel loved? To feel wanted? To feel craved? Very hard to do, isn't it? Especially those of you out there that have endured, let's face it, sexual abuse as a kid, maybe rape, maybe being belittled, ridiculed, abandoned as a kid, where you felt like nobody gave a shit about you. It's hard to put trust in that, isn't it? When someone starts yelling at you, a partner, loved one, it's hard to deal with. You don't feel loved. They yell at you, so it's a repeat pattern, right? You assume, again, you perceive. They don't love you. They don't want you. So what do you do? Do you shut down? Do you withdraw? Or do you fight back? And how do you fight back? Verbally? Hopefully not physically. Hopefully you're not chucking uh, pans, glasses, beer bottles at each other at all. So how do you fight through all that stuff and maybe... When you're craving, can you say, you know what, I want you to touch me, kissing you? And how many people go through life, as I said, there's a difference also between an embrace and a hug. Big difference. And does that open yourself up? And how much do you just want to grab a hold and hug, hold that person and embrace them? You feel their heart. You feel them breathe, and hopefully you're not hugging them too tight around the throat either when they piss you off. Hopefully uh, it's enduring. That embrace, you feel their soul in it. How often do you guys do that out there? Once a day? Once a week if you're lucky? How many miss that in your busy lives? Kissing, touching, they're huge. They're huge in making each other feel wanted and loved. And that makes, also, you have to be vulnerable. You have to feel safe enough to do that. 
And if you're safe, you will become more vulnerable, not only for your relationship, but what starts happening is when you feel vulnerable, you feel safe, you're going to be more open and honest. You're not going to be afraid to go deep with your emotions. Someone pisses you off or annoys you, you can be honest with them. Can you speak from the heart or are you going to speak from anger? So how often do you tell your partner you love them? Is it out of habit or is it with your gut? Is it with your heart and your gut or is it just a matter of fact, just a verbal expression because, like I said, it's a habit? Do you touch the same way? Do you hold hands? Do you feel each other in that touch and that brace? Part of feeling uh, vulnerable and being okay and feeling safe is also feeling accepted and liked by partner as well. Goes sort of hand in hand, right? If you don't feel liked, you don't feel accepted for the person you are, it's going to be very difficult for you guys to get close. It's going to be very, very difficult for you guys to get connected emotionally or what I like calling on my Facebook uh, under attentive relationship therapy is the total connection. Total connection is mind, body, soul. It's where your mind, body, heart, and soul all intertwine. Is it going to be there 24-7? No. I'm a realist. That'd be great if a uh, perfectionist, if it would be there all that time, but it's not going to happen. So if you feel accepted, liked, everything else is going to trigger. So the question is, that's easy, right? Everybody knows that. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to feel accepted and liked? Do you have a clue what you need to feel those things? Those are the trigger. You have to understand what your needs are and what you need to feel loved, to feel respected, to feel even liked and accepted by your partner. You're not going to like everything they do, everything they say. You're not. It's not a Disneyland, fantasy land where everything's going to fall into place would be nice. But especially when the shit hits the fan, you disagree. You might have an argument. Are you still going to feel loved? Are you still going to feel cared for? And how can you do that when the shit hits the fan? It can be difficult, right? Why do you think they say makeup sex is so great? Because the chemistry, the connection uh, comes back, right? You feel loved. You feel that passion, that deepness after all the arguments done and over with. The root is the passionate love you have for each other that you realize. Well, hopefully many feel that way instead of feeling disconnected and it goes on. I deal with couples in here more times than I can uh, shake my head at. Uh, they have not had sex in a year, two years, three years. I mean, they have not had sex with themselves. They might have had a menage de moi with themselves, with uh, masturbation or whatever. But with themselves, what would it feel like? You know, there's no physical problems. No physical problems with erectile dysfunction, uh, nothing like that. No female uh, pain disorder. How in the hell would you feel, man, not having sex for that long? Maybe you're okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. But if uh, one of you thinks that's wrong, the other one's okay with it, there's going to be issues. 
And the root of all those issues are not feeling loved, not feeling connected, not feeling respected, accepted for who you are. So how can that trigger? How can you be vulnerable enough to say, hey, you know what? I feel like you don't even like me. You never tell me I love you. You never embrace me. You don't kiss me. Hopefully I don't have bad breath, so I want you to kiss me. Not on the cheek. Not like cousins. Or hopefully not like down south. That's just, uh, that's wrong. But what happens, uh, you want to be kissed. Not just a peck on the cheek. That sort of just pacifies, right? Like getting patted on the head like a little pet, like a little dog. How can you bring those issues out? Because I think the scariest things about being vulnerable is what happens if you say, you know what? I don't feel loved. I don't feel desired by you. Probably the scariest thing that can happen is they say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Then what do you do? Then what do you do? Because a lot of those issues you don't want to bring up, you don't want to bring, bring out on the table. Again, it's your vulnerability. So what do you do? You protect it. You don't deserve that. If you don't feel loved and they say, yeah, you're right, I don't desire you, then what do you do possibly to get it back? Or do you move on? Or do you play a martyr in that relationship? Are you able to move on? Are you able to get out of that situation where you feel more loved, more desired, more appreciated? I'm all about trying to make it work if possible. And that's where I talk about a gut check, too. You know, what's your gut telling you about can you be vulnerable? Can your gut and your heart align and talk about, you know what? I don't feel loved. I don't feel desired, and I deserve that. You're not being arrogant. You're being confident. Can you do that? And still be okay with yourself. You know what? If I don't feel loved, I don't feel desired, I don't feel respected, this, you know what? We need to do something about it or maybe we need to go our separate ways. What, the divorce rate's 49, 50%? Why is that? I can tell you why, yeah. Certain percentage of that, people do grow apart. There are some truth to that. You're not the same person that you were when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40. Yes, you do grow you do change. The trick is how can you grow together if possible? You want to grow together in the same direction, hopefully pretty much at the same speed. But if you don't, it's going to be grounds for disaster. So how can you grow together in the same speed? And part of that is checking in with each other to make sure you are loved, to feel appreciated. And this ain't a claustrophobic situation. You're still able to maintain your independence. Be your own person. Again, it's part of being accepted, remember? Being accepted and liked. You are your own person. You have your own identity. And when you start losing that identity, part of it is, you know, the nagging, complaining, or being overly needy or pathetic. You lose your identity. Then what happens? Desire gets killed. Passion gets killed. Resentment sets in. And then everything else, the I love you's that I mentioned, the touches, the kissing, goes down the toilet. 
You stop feeling loved. You stop feeling cared for. You don't even feel accepted anymore. So we want to hurry up and bridge that and then uh, try to rebuild that. So what can we do? Go ahead and rebuild that passion and intimacy. Can you open up? How often do you guys actually talk and do a sound sort of corny, whatever, but do a status update with each other, with the relationship? You know what? I feel loved. I feel desired. Every time I look at you, I want to throw you up against the wall, rip your clothes off, and freaking have my way with you. Make you scream in ecstasy. How many people would crave that? Would that make you feel loved and appreciated? Or after all that's done, say uh, five to ten seconds, oops, that might be my thing, uh, after you're done with throwing them up against the wall, you, uh, do you still feel, do you feel cheap? Do you still feel like something's missing? Or do you feel connected? Was it just sex? Or do you actually feel the love and the heartfelt soul in each other? Can you find that? How many of you are proud of your partner? Does that take, let's face it, part of being accepted and liked by your partner as well, right? Not saying, again, you have to like them, but are you actually proud of them as a person they are? Not looking for perfection. It's not fantasy land. But you're able to do that. And how do you show your partner you're proud of them, even if they're a stay-at-home mom? That you're proud that maybe they take care of the kids. And again, in today's society, today's economic status, there's a lot of men that are doing that nowadays too. How many of uh, men in that situation out there, I can tell you there's quite a few of them out there. How many of them feel emasculated because of that situation? Maybe they can't find a job. Maybe they can find a minimum wage job. By the time you, it's forget it, you're paying a sitter, you're, forget that situation. Financially, it's just crazy. It's not going to happen. So are you going to lose the status, societal status of what a man should be and what a situation should be? But anyways, I'm going to go ahead and take a caller, and then uh, we'll go from here. Oh, lost the caller. <laughs> so I guess we'll stay on for a little bit, um, a little bit longer. So what, what's it going to take, you know, for you guys to feel all that stuff, to feel maybe that your partner turns you on, that you're turned on by them? And can you be vulnerable? I keep repeating it, but I can't, I cannot stress enough how important that is, that vulnerability, of course, people think it's a weakness. They don't want to go there. That's why they get pissed off. Instead of feeling the heartfelt, you know what, I don't feel loved. I always reference uh, with my clients, how many people out there saw the movie 8 Mile? Eminem? I'm not saying you have to like him or not, but the movie 8 Mile, the last scene when he did Last Battle. He went first, and he told everybody, yeah, I do live in a trailer park. I do live with my mom. Yeah, I do have a friend that shot himself in the dick. You know what? This is me. What are you going to say about me now? takes a lot of guts. Not that you have to be vulnerable with the whole world like he did. Not at all. But can you be vulnerable and look at maybe your faults, your weaknesses, and not that you have to like them, but you're okay with them. You're going to work on them. And can you share that with your partner? Or do you always have to feel like you have to measure up? 
I try to get couples balanced. That's part of the total connection. That balance, that doesn't mean the man has more power. I hear the head of the household, the man of the house. Not necessarily. It means a balance. How do you balance each other out so you both feel equal in power? It's not one up, one down. The power struggles, they ensue left and right. One feels like they have to give in. Not going to happen anymore because you want to be equals. It's not fun always feeling like you have to kiss the other one's ass, is it? Yes, dear. Yes, dear. How many people want that in their situation? A lot of people don't. Like I said, it's very pathetic. Not fun at all feeling in that situation. So can you sort of stand on your own two feet and be brave, have self-respect, and say, you know what? I want to be loved by you. I don't feel it. This is what I need. And the scary thing is, like I said, if your partner doesn't care, but are you able to sort of kick that out there and be brave and be able to stick through that and say, you know what, I deserve this. This is what I want. And if you don't want to give it to me, you don't want to work on it, you don't want to talk about it, go to counseling, see me. There's a plug for me. Um, (laughs) But then what do you do? Then you have to move on, right? And what about the old uh, situation about death do us part? I hear people, you know, it's, it's great hearing people being married 50 years, 40 years. Phenomenal. I agree. Clap, give them applause. Terrific. My question is, you know what? Good work. Are you happy, though? How many people have been married 40 years, 30 years, 50 years? They're happy. Yeah, you're going to have shit days. You're going to have shit weeks. That's normal. But after all it's done and said, can you say, you know what, I'm more happy with person than without this person? Or are you living as martyrs? Sorry, that was martyrs. Are you living as martyrs? Or can you actually be happy? And we can throw out there, you know, religious beliefs. I don't want to discredit or uh, no disrespect on religious beliefs at all. But you look at, you know, do you want to be happy? Is that what you're supposed to be? Is that being selfish that you want to be happy, that you want to feel loved and wanted and accepted? And your partner likes kissing you, likes touching you. Yeah, likes maybe grab-assing you and touching your booty once in a while. Okay, maybe more than once in a while. But is there anything wrong with that? Should you give that up? Should you sacrifice that? That's not my answer to say. That's up to you. And the question, each one of you, is that is that what you want? And is it wrong that you give that up? I don't think so. Give you guys something more to ponder. And going to take another uh, short break. Let my voice rest. And believe me, I'm doing a shout out to uh, callers. Give me a call, please. It'll be anonymous. 929-477-3105. And again, another special thank you to Tot. Tatiana, for the intro piece you did, and also for Brenda, which you will hear 
um, as the exit at the end of the show. Uh, appreciate it. Again, call, or call in 294-77-3105. Hit questions up on the chat at blogtalkradio.com. Greg Dzinski, that's D-U-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I. And please check out my blog on Facebook as well under Attentive Relationship Therapy. And if you're looking for help, I'm located in uh, Mount Clements, Michigan. I also do uh, Skype chats, therapy sessions as well for teens, adults, and of course, definitely couples, my special area, couples, relationships, and sexual issues. And I will be back shortly. Thank you so much for listening. Get that special someone uh, hand-painted, hand-designed canvas shoes, Shoes by Shea. Find her on Facebook. Again, Facebook, Shoes by Shea. If you're looking to listen to some cool, kick-ass bands along with some cut-up, comedy, hilarious, smart-ass hosts, listen to PPRNLive.com. Again, PPRN. Live.com, or you can find them on Spreaker.com as well. They got shows every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time.
get that special sum. Oops, sorry about that. Uh, Greg, back here with uh, the Art of Relationships uh, radio show. This is the Virgin Show. Uh, hopefully many others to come. Uh, also, if you want to or know of someone that wants to sponsor their business on the show, um, I got packages. You can check out my website, www.attentiverelationshiptherapy.com. Go over on the top right on the memo bar. Click on radio, and then you'll see advertising page. I offer discounts, uh, absolutely, so I'm looking uh, definitely for advertisers. So hopefully we can stand for a while, build a, uh, I hate the word cult, but hopefully build a cult following, and then we can uh, definitely go uh, from there, hopefully uh, help a lot of relationships out. I got a uh, a text, uh, actually a good question that's asked probably from the beginning of time, is do you think relationships end too soon? Do you think they end prematurely? Great question. It's asked all the time. You know, what do you consider premature? You know, that's a, what do you consider premature or too early? Do I think a lot of couples, I, I think a lot of couples, first off, don't know how to get the help, maybe. I know finances, lack of insurance, is a huge issue too. I think maybe also pride is at stake. Like I said about the vulnerability and getting at the tit for tat where they shut down each other and they just, they start feeling, maybe both of them feel, they don't feel loved, they don't feel desired. So what starts happening, um, they don't know what to do. So they call it quits. Uh, I know some people in domestic violence situations been in those relationships for five years, 10 years, and they end. You know, would you say that ends prematurely that they didn't try enough? I think the big kicker is maybe they don't know how to try an appropriate or I don't want to say correct, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it the correct way. You know, the correct way is different for each couple, each individual. Uh, I, that's one thing I pride myself on too is doing an individualistic approach with every uh, client, every couple I see. They're not all the same even though they see uh, come across with the same issues, communication, sexual issues, lack of intimacy, uh, affairs. I'll get more on, you know, with affairs probably later on. The next show I want to get on uh, sexual issues too and try to kick it up a little bit, add a little bit of fun and getting your freak out the next show on Thursday night at 7 o'clock here at blogtalkradio.com slash Greg uh, Dzinski, D-U-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I. So do relationships end prematurely? Yeah, I do. I think uh, there are there are many that do. They just don't know how to handle it. I think a lot of it is uh, the give and take as well. They have expectations, which actually surprises me dealing with couples. I ask, what's your expectation of a good marriage, of a good relationship? They look at me, and they look at each other, and they got this blank look on their face. You mean you never talked about expectations? Or you just assume they'd always be that way? Are they broken expectations? You know, they assume one thing, but their partner, they have no clue what they're expecting. They have no clue what their partner wants, needs, expects from them. So they assume they keep doing the same thing, same thing all over again. And... The shit hits the fan, then the relationship ends. 
I think some people, if they need, that's one reason, a huge reason why I'm on here. I have the blog on Facebook under Attentive Relationship Therapy, um, trying to help people so they don't end it prematurely. They can do a gut check and they can look at all the underlying issues in a short amount of time. So hopefully they don't end prematurely. They can, you know, after all said and done, if they do call it quits, ending divorce or whatever, the relationship uh, ends. They can look at themselves and say, you know what, I did everything. I don't want them to bullshit themselves either. I want them to do an honest assessment. You know what, did I try everything? Did we try everything to make it work? Domestic violence situations, like I said, those are those are a different ballgame. You know, I don't want somebody getting hurt or getting killed. Um, usually I recommend those situations. They need to be separated uh, for a little bit. Um, one gets out of the house just to prevent any emotional upheaval. Like if they're in session, they leave here, everything could be hunky-dory, they seem fine, all this stuff, and all of a sudden one gets pissed off what happened in session. Someone ends up getting hurt or getting killed. I don't want to hear that outside of here. So that's a different ball game. And what happens, um, what type of work do you do at relationships? The first thing is being honest with yourself. How many people are able to look at themselves honestly? Can you look in that mirror? It's the same thing I reference with self-help books. You know, they help build intimacy, five love languages. Um, I'm not giving props for them. I'm just mentioning them. A lot of times they get the self-help books and they'll look at them and they'll sit there and point to their partner. See, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. See, if you only did this, we'd be great. Well, I look at them and I question clients. I question people. I question students. Really? What your partner should be doing? I ask, what should you be doing too? Is it all your partner's fault or can you take responsibility for your actions in the relationship? Can you do a gut check and say, you know what, I need to improve on this? Maybe show an affection. Maybe uh, quit judging perception so negatively. Well, I want to say a simple but an often common uh, misperception that might end up leading is controlling, especially in new relationships. Uh, people just got married, maybe living together for the first time. They have one partner say, oh, why don't you do this? It could be whatever, you know, sweeping the floor, mopping, anything, cutting the grass, parenting. You name it. They could say, oh, why don't you try, uh, try it this way? And the other partner sits there and starts uh, bitching at him. You quit trying to control me. You're a control freak. And it's like, wait a minute. I'm just trying to help, try to make it easier on you. So how can you go ahead and make it better? I'm not trying to control you. See, perceptions. So when perceptions are all, all the whack, going back to the initial quest, text question I got, do relationships end prematurely? I think that is uh, it's a case-by-case -case situation. I don't think you can do a blanket term and say all relationships end prematurely. It needs to be a case-by-case -case situation. But it is a great question uh, from, a, from a texter. And I have another one. Ooh. How do you build a 
can you give advice on how to hold a marriage together at a low point in your relationship? Well, actually, I thought I'd been trying to do that. When you both feel not loved, not together, not only in a marriage, but I'm going to say in a relationship. Like I said, I see couples living together. Um, they've been together anywhere from 42 years uh, down to four months, just dating for four months. And the big thing is to the, together, you know, hold a relationship together, not just a marriage, at a low point. And this is part of, I think, a backup question um, to the relationship. Do they end prematurely? The big thing is, again, is doing a gut check, you know, going at the foundations of what you need to feel. And I'm going to repeat these from the beginning of the show. Most people, not all, but majority of them, they used to say, you know, most women, I, I think that's BS. I think most people, men and women, I don't get into stereotypes too much, but most men and women need to feel safe and secure emotionally. They need to feel connected physically and emotionally. And physically, yes, touching, could be sex, holding each other, caressing. And also they need to feel valued slash important. And usually if one of those three things, typically it's probably two, if not all three of those things, are out the door or down the toilet, those are going to be the low points in a relationship or a marriage. And when you start feeling that way, that's where the tit-for-tat battles go. And if we look at the foundations of those, I, I take the foundations right at the first first notes at the session, at the beginning of a session, I get the couple, I get them to go after those points where maybe they're afraid outside of the, they never looked at before because they're scared. Maybe they don't know how to. They'll look at those situations and look at, okay, what do I do to reconcile that? What can I do to say, hey, you know what? This sucks. I don't want to fight anymore. I want us to bring together. And what I'm going at, I don't want you to get defensive. Because at low lives, or low lives, excuse me, low points in a relationship, you know, it's the distance, arguing. Some people just, they don't talk to each other. Talk about low life and situation. I had a couple that saw me one time, um, the first, or I should say the first time they saw me, they have not spoken to each other literally in four weeks. They're married. They live together. They've been married, I think, 23 years, give or take. They did not say one word to each other in four weeks. Talking about a low life, low life, low point in the relationship. Four weeks not talking to your partner. The only way they talked was, okay, we need help. They got a hold of, one of them got a hold of me and they text the appointment and that's when they showed up. That was the first time they saw each, actually they saw each other, but first time they said a word to each other in four weeks. Can you imagine? So you're talking about a low life I say life, yeah, the relationship is a life. And when that relationship or ends or marriage ends, that life, it's a death. It's a grief. It's a loss point. So how can you go ahead and bring or breathe life into that? How do you regenerate life into almost something that seems so low and dead? What starts happening? And Let's face it, at a low life in a situation, one person or both people are afraid to take a risk, right? They may be afraid to, to take a risk at, you know what, this hurts, this sucks. 
I don't feel love, so I'm not going to take a risk to tell my partner that because they might not give a shit. They might not care, and that's what we're really afraid of. So it takes one of you to take a risk during that low point and say, hey, I don't like this. I want to feel loved by you. I want to feel connected. Now what can we do about it? Can we get help? Can we see a counselor, therapist, and hopefully a good one because there's a lot of bad ones out there? Can you work on this? The big thing is, do you want to? And I'm sorry, when there's a low point in a relationship and one person does not want to try, there's not a damn thing you can do. The only thing you can do is maybe seek help yourself and get a new perspective and try to get strong and get more of yourself back to work on your self-esteem and look at those situations and how can you sort of feel better about yourself even though the relationship ended. It's not a failure. It just it didn't work. So again, the low points of those situations is digging deep and looking at those aspects and taking a risk at those emotional heartaches. You know what? I suck. Okay, can we do we want to make this work? That's going to be number 1. Do I want to make this work? And it's not a right or wrong situation. You're going to have relatives. Oh my god, you're going to have friends. Oh, you need to get out. You need to get out. She's a bitch. She's a dick. You need to maintain situations between you two and not bring other people into it. Yeah, you can vent, but don't bash each other. You don't bash each other. You don't call names to relatives. You don't bash your spouse or kids to neighbors. You do that. That's just for your own benefit, right, to play the victim role. You don't do that. Because if it does work out, whatever, you know how much animosity and how much uh, discomfort that's going to create. You're going over to the in-laws, a relative, and they, you know, they, you know that they know that your partner bashed you to them. That makes it worse. So keep the situation. Try to keep it isolated between you two, if all possible, and get some professional help. What other questions you got out there? Again, this is uh, Greg Dozinski from Attentive Relationship Therapy on blogtalkradio.com slash Dozinski, D-U-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I. You can find me on Facebook under Attentive Relationship Therapy. And there's a blog set up to help people out, hopefully, and enhance their relationships or sex life. And also, hopefully, just them as individuals. And we can go from there. Going to take another little breather, give my voice a chance to relax a bit. Hopefully we'll get uh, quite a few callers. I noticed there's some people in uh, guest chat, which is very cool. But I don't see any questions, so I'm, I, I said begging's pathetic. Okay, I'm asking, I'm demanding uh, for questions, even in the chat. They just have guests, so everybody's anonymous, which is cool. If you want to say your name, you can. Again, you can call me with your questions, please, at 929-477-3105. Again, here's some plugs for 
some awesome artwork, uh, Shoes by Shea, and uh, some awesome uh, people out in Connecticut. Uh, actually, got my name, Master G, from uh, PPRNlive.com. Listen to them on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings from 7 to 10. They're pretty hilarious. You don't want kids to tune or listen to them. They have some awesome, awesome, talented bands on them. Uh, some humorous uh, shows. Uh, hopefully, I don't with Peter, Candace, JJ, or we'll say Joe, uh, Steve. There's a few other ones, natural guests out there. Um, and again, a special thanks to uh, Tot slash uh, Tatiana for the intro, and also Brenda, uh, which you'll hear her voice on the exit at the end of the show. Uh, talk to you guys in a few minutes. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Again, call in 929. 929- Four seven seven three one zero five. Get that special someone uh, hand painted, hand designed canvas shoes. Shoes by Shea. Find her on Facebook again. Facebook Shoes by Shea. If you're looking to listen to some cool kick-ass bands along with some cut-up comedy, hilarious smart-ass hosts, listen to PPRN Live. Again, pprnlive.com, or you can find them on spreaker.com as well. They got shows every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time.
that special someone uh, hand-painted, hand-designed canvas shoes. Licensed Relationship and Sex Counselor, Greg Dazinskis, also known as Master G, the art of relationships will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy in your romantic relationships. He will also welcome live calls from listeners and help him with these very challenges. Heard of the old repetitive and tiresome tit-for-tat arguments? Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a quick, matter-of-fact format, plus applies compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and climax to a happier you. Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan, but to some of us, he is simply known as Master G. Oh, excuse me, everybody. Back in the air until the second hour. Um, need some more callers. I'm getting uh, text uh, message uh, questions, uh, which are pretty cool. Um, hopefully, we'll get some more. I know JJ from PPRN is trying to find a chat, so I know he's going to have some uh, hilarious, provocative questions, I'm assuming. Uh, hopefully, uh, hold on to them uh, maybe next time, but I'd like to get up to him, maybe jazz him up a little bit. Uh, don't be shy. Like I said, give me a call, 929-477-3105 with your questions. You can also chat going on with some questions on the chat at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Greg Dzinski. Uh Should be a like button. You should be able to enter the chat. I think it says uh, flash chat, and uh, hopefully uh, you find that. If not, uh, like I said, with this being the first show, uh, I'm trying to get my bearings on, too. It's been a long weekend, and uh, hopefully everything will be a lot smoother with the chat and everything else. Uh, next show, Thursday evening at 7 p.m. <clears throat> you can call in again, 929-477-3105. And getting back to a couple uh, text questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, this is a downer, but this is real, reality in life, as you know. Um, question was, uh, how do you move on after uh surviving spouse, after a death uh, of a partner? Now, this is a very, very common, unfortunately, situation. Now, this is, it's going to be different for a lot of people, again, uh, everyone's different when the death of a spouse. You have to look at the age. You know, you could be married in your, you know, early, uh, early, mid, late 20s, or you could be from surviving spouse. You could be in your 80s. So uh, I think uh, the stage of life definitely uh, has a lot to do with this answer. And part of it is, of course, you know, where you were at, there could be a lot of a lot of guilt kicks in with um, – Maybe you could have been, uh, it's almost like surviving, uh, you know, survivor's guild, if you will. I could have been a better partner. I could have been, uh, you know, better at this. I could have been, you start, you know, judging yourself. You start bashing yourself. What you need to look at with uh, the death of a spouse is trying to do a uh, a review. And one thing that helps, of course, there's a lot of uh, emotional hurt, a lot of uh 
loneliness that might kick in, especially if you have kids. So not only are you dealing with your own emotional aspects, you're, you know, if you have kids, uh, especially school-age kids, you're dealing with their emotions. And a lot of times what happens, all the attention gets to the kids, and you don't get a chance to grieve yourself. So that's that's huge. One thing you can do, you do a, uh, even when I teach uh, human sexuality and it's weird, death for dying, how do they relate, or sorry, psychology of death and dying, how do the two relate? You're both dealing with stiffies, right? So what happens with the, the death situation, you try to do a life review looking at maybe the good times. Quit bashing yourself what you could have been a better partner. That's good. You want to do that. It means you have a big heart and you're able to look at yourself. That's huge. But you do a life review and you try to look at and be able to smile at maybe the good times that you had. Don't center so much, you know, the bad times. They're going to bring you down. They're going to bring anger and hurt. Everyone talks about the stages of grief. And they might be true, according to Keebler-Ross, they might be true, the five stages. But I, everyone goes through them differently. And they might go through them not in the order that she represented. And they, you could skip around a, a bit, but some might not even uh, go through all of them. The denial, the anger, you know, they might go into the depressed state. So you're looking at the good times with the death of a spouse is going to help. It's going to help you realize maybe what you had, one thing, but also maybe what, depending on your age, like I said, if you're early and you down the road, you might not feel this way. You might want another partner, another relationship. You can look at the good things like, what do I want in a potential partner? That doesn't mean, you know, you start feeling that way. You start feeling selfish, and then the guilt comes in. Your partner, unfortunately, did pass away, but you're still living. And I'm assuming everyone talks about, yeah, I'm sure your partner wants you to live life and be happy. It's easier said than done. So a lot of times you can do a like a memory box, a memory shelf, commemorating, you know, what that relationship meant to you. And you have time to do this. You can do this, you know, your kids are going to be centered, of course, but you need to take that time for yourself to be able to grieve and to look at you being lonely. Not only that, you lost a partner, you lost a loved one, but not only that, like I mentioned about divorce or ending a relationship, your expectations just got shattered too. Your expectations may be about taking vacations, about maybe moving somewhere, maybe about retirement. So you look at all those. Those are all things that you can look at as lost expectations with that partner. But can you still have some of those maybe expectations, those dreams, those hopes for yourself and maybe down the road? Everyone assumes you should, uh, you know, get over the death of a spouse, especially businesses. And don't get me going on businesses. And I'm definitely not politically correct about the bereavement. You know, you get three days and that's it. Get your ass back to work. You know, or if you take five days, we're not paying you, but for three, um, which is sad. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you got to take that time. I don't care if it's when the kids go to bed, you have relatives helping you out. Hopefully, they can take the kids because you need that time to yourself to sort of get your identity back as a individual again 
without that relationship anymore. You need to take that time, find your identity, renew that identity once again. And what happens in the situation and finding your identity, loneliness, loss, you might even feel guilty for feeling horny. That's okay, and that's normal. And you've got to tell yourself it's normal what you feel. I think so many people try to fight away or try to stuff down, if you will, pack in the grief, the hurt, the loss, because let's face it, none of us want to feel it. That makes it worse. So you tell yourself, you know what? I feel sad. I feel lonely. I can't believe I missed you know, my partner that passed away, I, that died. You can be pissed at that. So many people are ashamed or afraid to admit that. You normalize it. You understand it. You admit it. Sometimes it makes it go away smoother, maybe easier. Maybe the time will shorten in the grieving process. So many people try so hard not to feel those things. They don't want to. Let's face it, it hurts. It sucks. The more you try to force those feelings away, the more you try to push them away, the more you try to shove them away, run them over, if you will, <clears throat> I think it makes it harder for you to get through the grieving process. Again, the grieving process is different for everybody. You know, you don't want to bring drugs, alcohol, unhealthy uh, habits back into your life, especially if you have kids. Now, it's it's very difficult to, especially... When you're talking about the older situation, older life, say if you're later in life or even uh, midlife, say 50 and above, if you've been with a spouse, you know, say for 20, 30, 40 plus years, and they hopefully will be your, are your best friend. And when they die, you know, you, you sort of throws a perspective back and, okay, what do I do now? I might be too old to move on. Is it right for me to move on? Are, you know, my adult kids at that age, are they going to be okay if I can move on? Do I even want a relationship? It's the same type of grieving process, uh, perspectives, if you will, or recommendations I have for any age group. You try to look at the good times and be able to smile, be able to laugh about them, and hopefully fill your heart with joy and it helps with the grieving. Again, be okay with hurting. Be okay with feeling that pain. Not that you like it, but you're in accepting it. It's normal. Don't try to fight it. Like I said, you can always get professional help and go from go from there if you need help. Survivors, uh, you know, grief support groups are not a not a bad uh, go to as well. A lot of support groups, so you got to be careful. Again, you don't want to become, you know, dependent. They're a nice outlet. But sometimes they get so bad, it's hard. They almost, uh, what do I want to say? They almost create or they almost uh, enable further depression. So I'm all for support groups, but you also have to be uh, be careful that they don't create further depression. So that is, uh, actually, that's pretty huge. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, another question. What is your advice for, oh, sorry, I just read that one. What is uh, my partner had an affair. How do I get the trust back? I was waiting for this question. This I deal with probably 80% of the couples I see um, come in, sadly, with this situation. And I know students, clients, 
friends, you know, family, I always say this, and it, it's true. I don't care, you know, you have stats out there. I think a lot of stats are biased, but with a lot of affairs, there's just as many women out there cheating or having an affairs as there are as men. So men aren't the only ones, if you want to call it dogs, <clears throat> excuse me, get back to the question, you know, how do you build trust back? There's got to be three things. And like I said, I mentioned this on my blog as well on Facebook under a ton of relationship therapy. There has to be three things in place. You have to know why it happened, why the affair happened. There has to be genuine remorse and guilt. And there has to be a recommitment back to the relationship or marriage. If one of those three things are not there, chances are the trust, it's going to take a long, 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 lot longer time if it's even possible to build that trust back up. Now, with that said, even if, say, you know why it happened, I'll get into that in a minute. There's been generally remorse and guilt, and there's been the commitment back to the relationship. All those three things are cemented. The person that did the betraying is perfect, getting all the trust back, whatever. That doesn't mean the other partner is going to be able to trust, and that's that's what's very difficult. Most times, they can rebuild. If the foundation of that love is still there and uh, mutual respect for one another is there, People can go through and heal from the affairs and become even stronger. My motto with every, even therapist, counselors that are my clients, my motto is I want to get you even stronger than you ever been when you first got married, first started dating. More stronger, more intimate, emotionally and physically. And even with an affair, this can still happen. And sometimes it can promote this. Going back to the three things with affairs, okay? Why it happened. We need to know why it happened, okay? If you don't know why it happened, hmm, huh, how in the hell can you reassure it's not going to happen again, okay? I'm going to hit on this real quick. With an affair, you have to know why it happened, meaning, okay, were you not, not putting words in anybody's mouth and there's some good bullshit artists out there, and you can read through them pretty good. But why it happened? 85% of people I deal with with affairs, maybe 90% that I deal with, um, there's usually a reason why it happened. Okay. The other 10 to 15% of people that have an affair, they're either dogs or they're hoes. Um, good luck to you. Okay. That's you know your your decision to make if you're going to stay with them. That's up to you. Like I said, it's not my decision to make. Uh, no professional, no therapist, counselor, psychologist, whatever you want to call us, uh, should make that decision for you. They help you get to that decision. But remember, they're there for you. You don't want their bias or judgment to get in the way. Anyways, getting back onto why it happened. The 10, 15 percent. Guy's a dog, woman's a hoe, good luck to you. The more, majority of affairs happen for a reason. Um, again, I do not condone them. I don't excuse affairs whatsoever. I look at the root. What can we do to resolve it, if possible, to build the trust back up and then sure it's not going to happen again. Okay, so why did it happen? Most of the time, one partner, maybe both at the time, um, they don't feel like I talked about at the beginning of the show. 
They don't feel loved. They don't feel desired. They don't feel appreciated. They're taken for granted. And this usually doesn't happen overnight. And they might talk to their partner. Maybe they don't know how to. And it comes across as, again, like I said earlier, nagging, bitching, complaining. Or the other one is maybe withdrawn. They don't talk at all. So there's, you know, it could be two things going on. They withdraw, they they run, they hide, they don't want to talk about it. So we need to find out why it happened. You don't feel loved, you don't feel desired, so forth, so on. Usually one of those things are happening or a combination of those. Now I always I get um comments from the other partner that was betrayed, um, and I'm laughing, but it's it's sorta of funny in a way, but it's not funny. Where they'll say, oh, you told me in my F, oh, great, great. You're saying it's my fault that he stuck his dick in somebody else or she hopped on some other guy, Greg, that's, uh, you're saying it's my fault? No, no, not at all. Like I said, I don't condone them. I don't excuse them. I look at the situation of what caused it. Now, I want both partners with affairs, as it is without affairs and relationship, you need to take responsibility for your own actions and the relationship or in the marriage you need to because if you're looking at the other one as just they hurt me they hurt me they hurt me and you play the victim role it's going to be very very difficult to get that relationship back and get it healed and hopefully stronger so you know what was causing the partner maybe to have an affair and maybe what was your role in it again not blaming but you're looking at those situations at okay what did I do to cause my partner maybe not to feel loved, not to feel desired, not to feel wanted, appreciated, accepted, maybe not felt proud of? So you look at what can you do in those situations and look at those because those are the things, like I said, like I said, if those situations come about and you don't know what caused them, you can't guarantee you can't guarantee anything's going to be healed or resolved or it's not going to happen again. We have to get at the root and the issues that are going on so we can fix them. So if the partner knows, okay, I didn't feel love, whatever, and I tried to tell you, I tried whatever, sometimes it takes, unfortunately, an affair or maybe divorce papers getting filed to shake up the relationship. Maybe that person didn't want an affair or they... Yeah, I'm, like, again, I don't condone them or excuse them. You look at why they happen. Okay, what can we do so it doesn't happen again? How can I make my partner feel maybe more loved, more appreciated? Those are usually the main situations I deal with with affairs that come up. Yes, there are situations where maybe one, they have self-esteem issues as well. I think most people do with affair situations, but there are some they still could feel loved and appreciated and, you know, the wife, husband, partner maybe made them feel loved and appreciated and it's their own talking about living their teen years all over again. Maybe they did that affair to build their own ego up. You know, what did they do? Did they make a mistake? Is that possible? So some affairs, yes, they are created as ego boosts for either gender. I, I don't think it's a gender situation. Everyone, everyone assumes that it is uh, a gender-related, all guys cheat, all guys are dogs, and that's not always the case at all. And there's plenty of women that do that. So we need to look at what caused those situations to create. 
so we can remedy those situations. And hopefully if those are in place, the trust can be built huge. And there's also uh, some situations I work on to rebuild the trust. Not only that, it seems simple, but it's it's not as easy as I'm trying to explain on the radio. Um, it goes into a lot more in depth, of course. But there's a trust-building exercise I do where you can do uh, things to build trust. It might be, you know, if your partner says, you know, I want to look at your phone to the one that betrayed him, you better give him your phone to look at. You know, tr uh, go through emails, go through texts. I'm sorry, but the person that betrayed you, you have to eat crow for a little bit, actually maybe for a little longer than a little bit. These are all things that can help build the trust back up. You know, oh, can I see your phone? I'm feeling insecure or whatever. Okay, hon, here you go. Here's a phone. Um, oh, I'm feeling insecure. I feel whatever. Can I see your email? Here you go. Remember I questioned the second thing about genuine remorse and guilt? That's part of it. That's part of establishing genuine remorse and guilt, that you're able to do those things. You know what? Yeah, here's my email, all my emails, whatever. Here's my phone. You can go through it. No big deal. Okay? That builds that you're genuine. You want to repair the relationship. Now, if uh, the betrayer gets into a <clears throat> discussion with the one that was uh, betrayed, and uh, the one that was uh, betrayed goes up to a uh, husband or wife that betrayed him. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you're such a dick and all this stuff. And the partner that did the betraying says, I already said I'm sorry. Can't you get over it? It's been two weeks. Eek. Ouch. Um, that's not establishing genuine remorse and guilt. You know, that's going to create even more like you don't care. That it was not a big deal. It is a big deal. So you have to remember, you know what, you can't go there. What you do to help establish and it'll help, you know what, hon, I'm sorry. I shouldn't, I didn't want to hurt you. I'm so sorry I hurt you. That is showing genuine remorse. That is showing genuine remorse and guilt for your actions. If you sit there, oh, it's been a month. Get over it. You know what? That's telling your partner that you don't. Maybe not – I'm not going to say that you don't care, but that's how it comes across. That's how it's perceived. Not that it's right again. So how do you go ahead and establish those aspects with affairs? It's huge. Like I said, you have to hit on – there has to be a reason why. There has to be genuine remorse and guilt, and there has to be a reconnection or recommitment, if you will, back to the relationship back to the marriage uh, through affairs. And I could get on a soapbox about this. I could do probably about three, five sessions solely on affairs, um, but as time permits. Those are, I want to say, those are the, the foundations of, you know, what happened. You know, why it happened, again, hitting on what were you feeling to cause that? Is it an ego trip? Were you not feeling loved, desired, appreciated? You need to look on those aspects. We need to find out why it happened. Again, I don't condone them. I don't excuse affairs, but we have to look at the reasoning behind them, and you have to take responsibility uh, both, I don't say victim, both the betrayer and the betrayed. I don't want people necessarily to play the victim role, but again, there has to be empathy with the one that was betrayed, the hurt, um, 
that's got to be there without without a doubt. If the empathy or sympathy is not there from the betrayer to the betrayed, um, it's going to be very difficult to establish trust. Okay, we got uh, about 26 minutes left, so please uh, shoot me. Uh, I know it's, uh, Amanda hopped on. Welcome, Amanda. So if you want to text a question in, what you want to hear, relationships, sexual uh, dynamics. Uh, also, if you want to give me a call, please feel free. Don't be shy. Give me a call at 929-477-3105. Uh, with your questions, going to take another little uh, break to rest my voice, and I'll be back shortly. Should be the last break, and then we'll take it uh, until 9 o'clock or close to it. Again, thank you. Again, give me a call, 929-477-3105, or enter the chat at blogtalkradio.com slash Greg Dzinski. Talk to you soon, people. Get that special someone uh, hand-painted, hand-designed canvas shoes, Shoes by Shea. Find her on Facebook. Again, Facebook, Shoes by Shea. If you're looking to listen to some cool, kick-ass bands, along with some cut-up, comedy, hilarious, smart-ass hosts, listen to PPRNLive.com. Again, PPRNLive.com, or you can find them on Spreaker.com as well. They got shows every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time.
Welcome to the Art of Relationships with Greg Dzinski. Greg will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy, plus help reignite passion in your romantic relationship. He welcomes listeners to call in live with any questions or comments. No more tit-for-tat arguments. Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a rapid, matter-of-fact format, plus applies both compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and grow happier. With a specialization as a relationship and sex counselor, Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan. To others, he's simply known Master G. Hey everybody, uh, last uh, 20 minutes uh, going on, I can't believe going on for almost uh, freaking uh, two hours already and I uh, got a call going on now, uh, let's see who it is. Hi there caller, are you on there? I'm here, hello, good evening. Hey, hey this voice sounds familiar, how's it going? What do you mean it sounds familiar? No. <laughs> not maybe not. Who maybe I it's am. A... Okay, I don't know who you are then. Cool. <laughs> For a Hi, minute, I thought it's... Hey, what's up? Nothing. How's it going? Very good. Very good show. Very good show. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I I'm trying a lot to hold. Tonight. I need uh, I need uh, more callers and questions going on. My voice is getting tired. <laughs> We'll get. We'll make sure that when we go on a live this uh, this week, we'll pull out your oh. number so they can call you. Oh, very cool. I appreciate that. You want me to give uh, the uh, listeners your name, or you want me to keep you anonymous? No, you can keep me anonymous. You know who I am. That's all that needs to know. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know me with all my crazy questions? Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say I'll keep you anonymous then, or you want me to? I won't. Yeah, I'll keep you anonymous. What questions you got mm. for me? <laughs> I have a question. Absolutely. If you were hurt in a past relationship and you're now in a new relationship, how do you not bring those hurts and, and pain into your new relationship? Ooh, you know what? You put mm. me on the spot. What a dynamic. That's an awesome question. Um, Hello, actually, I'm the best. You are the best. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, great question. What happens? That's one thing. You need to take some time. Everyone talks about, you know, you need to take your time to find yourself again after you've been burnt, hurt, crushed, uh, whatever you want to talk about it. And especially, like I said, in abusive relationships before, you don't want to carry that. Everyone talks about baggage and everything. The big thing is you don't want to attribute that same, if you want to say, uh, asshole or uh, bitch, excuse my language. Cut mode. Uh, <laughs> Come on, there you go. <laughs> Um, you don't want to take that and attribute that to your new partner. You know, that's not fair, but it's very difficult not Who to Who you do. on the phone with, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on? You're on here too, Now I huh? think everyone knows who he's talking to. <laughs> you, you, want me to, you want me to give you guys a plug now or I'll keep you anonymous? That's a great question. No, question. you can. You can. No, Say, you know hey. what? It, it, it happens here with us. You know, we both come from city paths. Yeah, and the hurts and little things that come up, and it's like you go back into protective mode. Absolutely, you know. And so it, how do you stop that? You stop that. One thing is about you got to build trust, and you you know as well as I do that trust has got to be earned. It can't be given right. away, and especially when someone comes from uh, you know a shitty past or you know got crushed, abusive relationships, got treated like crap their whole life or most of a prior relationship. 
what happens? That that person's got to be patient. It's got got to be gentle. Got to be empathy. So how how do you disclose? Remember I said about vulnerability and being okay with that. You know what? I've been in a shitty relationship. I've been through some rough times. I got my heart broken. You can be vulnerable. You can do that. But that partner uh, needs to be empathetic. Oh, was that Peter? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Peter, dude, man. Got to save it for your show. No, um, but you have you have to be you have to be empathetic, and that partner's got to be. You got to open it up, and if they pressure you, act like it's no big deal, man. That's going to put you right back in that mode, and that relationship. You know, it's going to be hard to build that trust. If not, you're going to evolve, man. You're going to be holding back. You're not going to be able to get to that emotional safety zone that you want. You're going right. to half-ass. You're going to half-ass it. Why? Because you're protecting yourself and you can't blame it. You can't blame yourself for that. That's, I think that's very, very true, you know, and it's very difficult when both partners are, are, are come together and start something new but still have the past hurts and, you know, certain things trigger it and remind you of this and, and then, you know, the name calling starts and you're at each other's throats and it's like anger that's geared towards the ex is now coming out in this relationship, you understand? So it's like, how do you break away from that? Is, is Peter grab-assing you? <laughs> he said, give better head. <laughs> give better head. That works, too. Yeah. No. <laughs> of course, that's coming from Peter. Um, of course. Wait, I, thought, I thought he didn't like sex. <laughs> he didn't say um, sex, he said better head. <laughs> oh, better head, not sex, yeah. So different, right? It's orally, not vaginally. But what, Correct. Uh, it, one thing is part of you know self growth and being confident enough that you know what I've been in that situation again. You know what I'm not going to deal with that again. I'm not going to put up with it. But how many people you you know that Candace you get in a situation where all that baggage from you it knocks your self esteem. You start believing you don't deserve anything better, and it's hard to get right. out of that mode. And it's almost like it's a magnet. You attract maybe commodes is what you said, assholes, or right. commodes, that you attract that almost because your self-esteem rings it. And you get these a-holes that, I mean, they just suck onto that. They're like parasites. I don't know what other term to use. And you get in that same mode. And that's where I said you need that break to find yourself again, to look at, I've been through this. I didn't deserve this. And it but takes- how, about if there, how about if there wasn't a break before the next relationship and you're already in that relationship? So... How do you you now fix it, knowing that the relationship you're in is worth it? How do you fix yourself and heal yourself from the pain that you had back then? Can you work together as a team on that? I'm I'm a huge advocate. Even with that abuse, can you work on that together as a team, as yourself and also as a team, and try to get your partner the safe aspect? What can they do to make you feel safe enough to do that, though? So it takes work on yourself. Plus, it takes a team oh, effort. Correct. Right. No, I, I understand. Hold on. I'm switching off now. Peter Peter has got questions. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> Brace no. yourself. Should I, should I mute him? <laughs> Master G. Yay, Peter. What's happening? Not much. How does one radio host get over the uh, emotional hurt that uh, a, a friend of his started his own radio show without slitting his throat? <laughs> no kidding. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm okay, just kidding. This, uh, uh, this, I was no, going to say, this is in your past, right? 
<laughs> yeah. All right. I, was gonna say, I don't know if you're talking about me. No. <laughs> about your past? You know what? No, no, no. Listen, I, I know. very proud of you. Very good job you're doing today. Listen to the whole thing. Peter, um, I appreciate it, man. I, I Props. You know, you guys are like family to me out there, too. Um, we're going to start our, promoting it on our show, too, the weeks that, I mean, even on the weeks that you're on, but oh, I um, it's hard. Just want you to stick with it and, you know. Oh, yeah. Just, I you know, Thanks, people bro, are afraid bro. to call. You know that by our show, man. They're not going to well, call in. <laughs> I'm trying to be that, gamer, man. You 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 guys are uh, going to rip uh, collars apart and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you guys are, they, you guys are huh? awesome. I mean, PPRN, you guys do an awesome show. You got some, like I said, Ned, some kick-ass bands. You guys got a lot of talent out there. Your whole crew is uh, phenomenal, and uh, you make me feel like family, too. And that, that's that's you've been very welcoming, and I can't appreciate that enough, man. Yeah, I know. We we appreciate you, and uh, sorry about last week, but we'll oh, be no, back on fine. next week, though. So. Sounds cool. I will be. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna gear more people towards you because I know how hard it is to start something off. Especially if you should listen to my first episode, it was like listening to a suicide caller. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're definitely gonna help you promote it and stuff. I I wish you nothing but luck, buddy. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much, uh, Peter and Candace from PPRN. All right, Greg. Thanks. Have a good night, buddy. You too. You guys take care. Thank you. Okay, that was, if you guys didn't know, listeners, that's uh, crew uh, Candace and Peter from uh, Peter Penn Ho, P-I-N-H-O, Radio Network, P-P-R-N, Live.com. I think you heard uh, during a few of the breaks uh, a plug for them. Great bunch of people. Like I said, they get <laughs> they get crewed. Uh, but they're a lot of fun. They have some, I tell you, some kick-ass, talented bands. Uh, through doing a show with them, sexual relationship issues. Uh, over the last few months, I met some terrific people out there. Uh, Cullen that have become friends, some decent bands, some really good people. So if you get a chance to tune into their show as well, um, like I said, it's Tuesday. And Wednesday evening, 7 to 10, Eastern Daylight Time at uh, www.pprnlive.com. Well, they do uh, quite a bit of charity work in their area. And uh, not to promote them, uh, <laughs> over-promote them, but uh, actually they're out of Southbury, Connecticut, uh, not too far, miles away from Sandy Hook, uh, the tragedy that happened at the elementary school. So they do a lot of charity work out there for them. They're terrific people. So uh, please, if you get a chance to listen to them, you'll enjoy some laughs. And like I said, I'm uh, usually on there alternating Tuesdays and uh, as my schedule permits. And I know theirs, they're busy as well, too. So anyways, uh, we got a few minutes left. Uh, what questions do you guys have? And uh, we'll go from there. Any more callers? Any more? Talked about affairs, what we can do, and also building intimacy. Uh, rehash. Again, don't be afraid to be vulnerable, okay? You be vulnerable, you can still speak your mind. You be vulnerable. Say, I hurt. Say, I long to be touched. I long to be kissed by you. I long to be held. Maybe I long to be have sex with you. 
as a student in uh, human sexuality class a long time ago. What happens if uh, you get pissed off and mad? Um, would you want your partner to come up and say, you know what, I'm going to fuck the mad right out of you? Would you like that? Would that trigger uh, laughter or would that just piss you off more? Could you use it if you know each other that well? Can you use that as laughter and maybe trigger it to make up sex where you can get reconnected? I'm a huge advocate. Everybody knows when the emotional disconnect falls to the wayside, goes down the toilet, the fisco goes with it. The kissing, the holding hands, the embraces, that sort of goes down to it. But I'm also a huge fan, as many people probably heard, uh, especially students listening in and uh, clients as well heard me probably say it too many times. I'm a huge fan of the physical can also enhance the emotional. Not only, uh, I'm not talking just sex, I'm talking about the caressing, like I said, the little booty pats, the kissing cuddling those things can increase and enhance the emotional connection as well so a lot of people have it and it's very difficult to do when the emotional disconnect is there it's hard to come up and touch somebody especially when you don't think they want to be touched and especially like we talked about if there's an affair situation how difficult is it how difficult is it to touch that person that cheated on you that betrayed you it takes time, and you have to go at your pace. It's got to go at the pace of the betrayer. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> at the one that betrayed, I apologize. The betrayer has to be patient. Has to be very patient, very respectful to carry on through that. And then um, you go from there. So, remember, touching can be therapeutic. I'm huge. I think it's human nature even from when we're kids. And it's very difficult to do if we're raised in a situation where we haven't been touched that much. We tend to get creeped out by it. We don't get comfortable with it. Um, Even hugs, embraces, touching. A lot of clients are raised in uh, some shit situations where they don't uh, get those. uh, I could give you horror stories from uh, clients over the years that, you know, to get them to feel safe to be touched and to touch that it can be very healing, very soul-searching. So remember that. What can you do to embrace and enhance those factors? Okay? Another question. I'm going to hit on this real quick, and this might uh, hit some nerves too. Goffin. I can easily tell why I married or got involved with my partner. Is that true or false? Can you sit back and honestly admit, true, I know why I did. Now, a big question, would you do it all over again? How many people can say true? How many people can say yes? Okay, if it's false, hmm, what could be done to maybe get to flip that script, to get you on the other side to say, yeah, I would do it all over again? What would it take? For not only you to maybe go after it, to take that risk, to reach out, but also what can your partner do? And if your partner has no clue, first step is you got to clue them in. Maybe that first step is taking that risk to be vulnerable with your heart, with your soul, also with your body, people. There's nothing wrong with that. And what can you do to promote that, to kick it off 
and go from there, okay? Uh, we have about five minutes left. I'm going to, first night, I'm going to kick out a little bit early, and uh, I'm going to play a couple ads again, and then we'll peace out. And remember, Thursday, 7 o'clock, and please tell your friends, relatives, loved ones, hate ones, whatever, uh, blogtalkradio.com, Greg Dzinski, D-U-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I, Sunday and Thursday evening, 7 to 9 p.m. And please uh, tell them uh, we'll chat, get some phone calls and any situations, any questions you want answered. Um, here to help. That's what it is. It's not about me. It's about you, the listeners, and about trying to promote a healthier, happier, more connected relationships. You can visit my website at www.attentiverelationshiptherapy.com. You can also visit my Facebook at the same Attentive Relationship Therapy. There's a blog on there. That's um, another avenue I can help people and hopefully promote uh, self-growth and happy, healthy, more connected uh, relationships. Again, triggering healthy, connected, emotionally, and physically enhanced relationships. Thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate it very much on this uh, virgin show. Not a virgin anymore. You broke me in. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Any questions, give me a shout. Get that special someone uh, hand-painted, hand-designed canvas shoes, Shoes by Shea. Find her on Facebook. Again, Facebook, Shoes by Shea. Licensed Relationship and Sex Counselor, Greg Dazinski's also known as Master G, the art of relationships will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy in your romantic relationships. He will also welcome live calls from listeners and help him with these very challenges. Heard of the old repetitive and tiresome tit-for-tat arguments? Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a quick, matter-of-fact format, plus applies compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and climax to a happier you. Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan, <laughs> but to some of us, he is simply known as Master G. Good night, everybody. Everybody have a nice Sunday evening, and be safe Monday morning on your way to work, school, or sleeping in. Don't fall out of the wrong side of the bed. We'll talk to you Thursday night. Thank you so much, people. Good night. <laughs>